Welcome to my Japanese Green Tea Podcast, a show dedicated to Japanese tea. Hosted by tea blogger Ricardo Caicedo. Hi, everyone, welcome to podcast episode number 49 of my Japanese Green Tea Podcast. Today's guest is Tia Sosen. He's the founder of the Tea Crane. Hi, Tia, welcome to the show. Hi, Ricardo. Good to be here again. I, I guess your listeners have、um, encountered me at several locations in your podcast already. Yeah, but for the listeners that don't know who you are, please tell them about yourself. Yes, certainly. I'm Tia Sosen. I've、uh, been residing in Japan for over 14 years now. And I came here with a passion for Japanese culture, and that brought me to the way of tea, tea ceremony. Studying the tea ceremony has given me a lot of information about what Japanese culture is like, and it's, it's a practice that I have been practicing since I came to Japan. And that also led me to discovering more about Japanese tea in general. So the, the practice of tea has really given me a lot of、um, insights in Japan and. Well, my passion for、uh, organic Japanese teas, because that is what I mainly focus on now with、uh, the tea crane that is organic Japanese tea. And we've opened a flagship store in Kyoto just last year. Of course, with the pandemic and everything,、uh, we're, we're moving more online. So the tea crane online store is also very active at the moment. What made you decide to start learning about the Japanese tea ceremony? Well, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. When I came to Japan 14 years ago, I came here with an interest in martial arts, traditional culture. And in my home country in Belgium, I was practicing Kendo. And through learning Kendo, I discovered a book called Miyamoto Musashi. It was about this famous sword fighter wielding two swords. And his lifestyle was so intriguing to me that I got attracted to Japanese culture because the lifestyle in, in Japan is also completely different. And that drove me to wanting to come to Japan and discover Japanese culture further. And when I came here for the first time, I was on a、uh, one year student exchange. And during that student exchange, I wanted to discover as many different cultural practices that are available in Japan so that I could, from a broad view, get an, an all over idea of what Japanese culture is about, what, what this culture really entails. And one of the practices that I did, well, I practiced kendo, as I said, I did karate and jodo as other martial arts. And then I also did no theater and tea ceremony. And <clears throat> what I discovered in tea ceremony is that it's not just only about the tea, it's all about everything that revolves around the tea. You have the ceramics, you have the bamboo work, you have the flower arrangement, the calligraphy, the architecture of the tea chamber, the garden design. There's, there's so much more to. Tea itself than only the tea. And the other arts that I was practicing was mainly focusing on learning the form. The way of the sword, for example, mainly deals with the sword. But interestingly, I found that the way of tea does not only deal with tea, it deals with everything that is related to it. And that eventually becomes everything that there is available in everyday life in Japan, because tea is simply something that you enjoy in everyday life. So, learning tea showed me what Japanese culture is in its entirety about. And that is what attracted me because I wanted to learn about Japanese culture. And for me, that was the main reason to continue on studying 
the tea ceremony? Yeah, I think, and I'm, I'm not an expert at that, but I think that the Japanese tea culture is like the basis of all the culture in Japan because it has influenced many arts and philosophy and architecture and the like. It works both ways. It includes all the arts and then because it includes all of them it gives them sort of a new shape and then it influences them as well so you could say that tea ceremonies at the base of japanese culture but you could also say that japanese culture is at the base of tea ceremony because tea ceremony evolved from just a regular everyday practice with commonly available householder utensils which were already very valuable to some of the most wealthy in Japan at that time. But it was a common thing to do. Just making tea is about boiling water and making tea and drinking the tea. And that's what people 400 years ago did. But what we're doing nowadays is preserve that shape, that form in which tea ceremony is being passed on. And we're doing things that people 400 years ago were doing. So we're using utensils that are old. We're using modes of thought and forms that are somewhat old um, but in the in the day when tea ceremony was created so to say it was more of a of a common thing with common household appliances so that makes it very interesting and basically everything that was available in Japanese culture at the time was also incorporated into it so it shouldn't become a history lesson here but basically drinking tea was part of a cultural get-together of um, the, the warrior elite or just the elite of Japan. And what they did mostly was write poetry, um, make calligraphy, make paintings, um, appreciate the arts. And then drinking tea was something that happened during that gathering. But then generally that transitioned into a practice on its own. So that's what I find interesting. That's why there's so much of Japanese culture. That's why I call it a microcosm of Japanese culture, because it began with appreciating the arts. Tea got incorporated into that as a, um, a break time thing to enjoy. And then it became its own practice, still maintaining its relation to the different arts. Very well. So now let's talk about the course that you created, the six-week tea ceremony intensive course. Yes, thank you. Um, Basically, in, in, in this time, usually I would like to host tea ceremony activities for people here in, in, in Japan physically. For the past several years, I've been doing tea ceremony activities for people who are uh, traveling to Japan. And now that, well, of course, became very difficult to do with all the travel regulations, etc. So I have been looking for ways to bring tea ceremony online and to make tea ceremony accessible even when you're not able to travel. Now, that's a very difficult thing to do because tea ceremony is basically about sharing a moment with someone in, a, in the same room, in the same atmosphere, and sharing that same energy. And when you're online over Zoom, for example, or when you're doing this through a video, it's easy to get distracted and you're just a spectator, basically, to a spectacle. And tea ceremony is not a show. It's a show in a way that everyone in the tea chamber participates to the good outcome of the occasion. But it's not that there is just someone who's outside of it watching it. You have to actively participate in tea ceremony, even as a guest. And so bringing tea ceremony online is a very difficult thing to do because it's difficult to convey that energy through the internet. 
And over the the past year with um, the situation internationally, I have been gathering more students that want to learn tea ceremony directly with me online. And I've developed a way of teaching the basics of tea ceremony through a computer with all the limitations that there are. And one of the biggest limitations is the utensils. When you learn tea ceremony with me, I have all the equipment. You can use that equipment and we can do any type of tea ceremony, how complicated and how utensil intensive it might be because everything is here. But when you're learning tea ceremony with me on the other side of the world, you of course need to have the utensils in order to be able to practice with them. And that's one one big hurdle. So I've developed a way to learn the basics of tea ceremony with the least necessary utensils and with things that you can um, obtain yourself wherever you are. And then, of course, teaching through the internet is again difficult because you're opposed to each other and you're doing it through a screen, which means that my right hand will be on your left side. And when I raise my right hand, you try to imitate me, then you're going to raise your left hand. And so there's this mirror image instead of being able to sit besides each other and do things um, together and allow me to give more detailed guidance. So I've also cultivated that knowledge and understanding of how teaching through a screen works. So gathering more students to learn, um, that want to learn with me online, I realized that I should make this basic tea ceremony practice into something that more people can get access to, because there, there are a lot of people inter, um, all over the world that want to start tea ceremony, but don't know where to start or don't know how to get started. So Making a course like this has been something that I've wanted to do for a long time already. And with all the the skill that I've built up over the past year, uh, this seemed like the perfect time to do so. So this six-week course is going to be six weeks of tea ceremony. And during that time, you will learn the basics, like all the different types of folding of um, the the fuxada silk cloth and the chakin, the white hemp cloth. And also executing a a tea ceremony service from the beginning using a tray service that you can do at the table. So even if you're not comfortable sitting in seiza with your legs under your, well, folded under you, then you can do this on a chair at a table. And so I think this course is is going to be one of the most accessible things available online to begin learning tea ceremony. At least that is what I hope it to be. And during those six weeks, how many classes are there or is it just a series of videos how do you give the course at the beginning of each week i will release a new lesson in which i teach a part of the basics of tea ceremony and each week we will build further on that so the material is released at the beginning of the week and throughout the week then you can practice at whichever time that is comfortable for you or you can watch the the video again whenever you have the time for it. And then at the end of that week, I will be doing a questionnaire, a Q&A, with the questions that I've collected from the students throughout that week to address some difficulties or uh, questions about the material that has been released that week. So we'll be sitting together two times a week and for the rest, you practice at your own pace. And so that for six weeks, and gradually by the end of those six weeks, you should be able to Um, execute a simple service of tea ceremony from beginning to start. I understand that there are different schools of the tea ceremony. Um, Which is your style and will it be useful for someone learning any other school? 
Right. So the tea ceremony that I practice is in the Inshu style. The Inshu style was founded by a um, a daimyo and a military chief lord, and his name was Kobori Inshu and lived in the early uh, 17th century. Now there are different schools, and I think the school that is most widely known is the Udasenke school. The Udasenke school is perhaps what most people outside of Japan practice. Uh, there's, But there's, I think, about 12, 13, 14 different schools, um, or even more little schools that we uh, we have never heard of. I keep discovering new tea schools as well. So this, there's three styles that are related to Sen Rikyu, the, the famous tea master. And those are the Sen schools. So you have Omote Senke, Uda Senke, and Mushano Koji Senke. Those schools were founded by grandsons of Rikyu himself. And those are related to, uh, referred to as merchant style tea schools. Now, there are a handful of warrior style tea schools because the culture in Japan was divided between merchants and, and warriors, mostly um, two of the most wealthy, powerful groups of people during that time. And the warriors, they incorporated tea ceremony in their life. But of course, their, their way of life was also different from the way of life of uh, merchants. So a lot of the differences that we see in warrior style tea ceremony, as opposed to merchant style tea ceremony, are related to uh, sometimes the martial arts, sometimes the lifestyles of the warrior elite. And it's interesting to, to compare those uh, differences. But the style of tea ceremony that I will be teaching is, of course, the Inshu style, which is one of the warrior style tea ceremony schools. And... I think if you haven't started learning tea ceremony, then it's easy to get started with the Inshu school. And it's not going to, well, affect your practice in any way. But if you have been studying tea ceremony, for example, let's say the um, Uda Senke school, then there are going to be some significant differences. And not everyone might be interested in that. So, for example, if you're learning the uh, tea ceremony in the Udasenke school, the way that you handle the fuksa, the silk cloth, for example, is different. The way that you handle um, the ceremonial fan, for example, is different. The way that you whisk, even the way that you whisk the tea is different. And those differences, they are there, but they make the tea ceremony interesting to, to look at. And it also teaches us that tea ceremony is not one set practice. It's not just, there's not just one tea ceremony. There's a lot of tea ceremony. And really what underlies all the tea ceremony is the structure. So the tea ceremony in even the Udasenke school and also in the Enshu school begins with a cleansing process. Then there is the making of the tea. And then there is the another cleansing process to clean all the utensils that you've used. That structure is the same for all the tea schools. But then how do they go about um, the details? So where do they place the utensils? How do they handle the utensils? How is folding the fuxa done? How is the ladle handled, for example? Those things, those minor details are um, very important traits of learning a certain style. And the Inshu style in that respect is different from the Udasenke style. And the only thing that I can say is if you haven't started learning tea ceremony and you're starting to learn with me, you will be practicing in the Enshu style of tea ceremony. And so you will be practicing this warrior style tea ceremony, which I think is actually not very accessible anywhere else. Um, there aren't many warrior style tea schools um, available. 
outside of Japan. So it's, I think, a unique opportunity. And in that respect, I might say for anyone who is learning the tea ceremony in another school, for example, Urasenke, it might be interesting and beneficial to join this course and learn about the differences and how the Institute School does things differently opposed to the school of tea that you have been practicing. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. And why do you recommend that people practice the tea ceremony? Everyone has a different reason for practicing and for continuing practicing tea ceremony. Um, tea ceremony, in a way, in, in the end, becomes a way of life. And for me, as I explained earlier, I practiced tea ceremony because it gave me access to a lot of information about Japanese culture. It showed me the different aspects of Japanese culture, and it was a, an easy way into getting in touch with different um, cultural aspects of Japan. And that's what I was really looking for. But then gradually, as I progressed on the path, I also discovered there was a therapeutic effect to it. There was, um, it's, it's sort of a meditation. And that um, spiritual side, so to say, of tea ceremony also became well, very important to me. And through that, I started to also understand that learning tea ceremony gives you access to wisdom. Maybe I should say it's ancient wisdom that we in our fast-paced society nowadays have sort of lost, um, or should I say sort of lost contact with. So tea ceremony gives you access to a lot of knowledge, understanding, wisdom that otherwise um, it'd be very difficult to get in touch with. And it's maybe a bit of an, an abstract thing to say, but when you focus fully on one thing only, you should say monotasking instead of multitasking, then you give your mind a lot of um, rest. You're, you're actively doing something, but you don't have to be doing multiple things at the same time. So that gives your, your, your mind a lot of um, calm and peace and rest. And that's what makes it so, I think, therapeutic or um, meditative. And through that, you gain access to an, another type of, of energy. And I've realized that with tea ceremony, when you, when you practice it and you become accustomed to the different forms, then everything that you do has a meaning. I always say tea ceremony is communication. It's communication through form. And there's not much conversation. You don't talk much during the tea ceremony, but you are in constant exchange of energy. And that exchange of energy, that conveys a lot of message to the, the receiver, so the, the host or the guests. And everything that you do has a message. So every time you extend your hand, there's a meaning behind extending your hand. There is no motion that is meaningless. Everything is done for a reason. So the reason why you put utensils out in a certain place is because otherwise, later on, you're going to have to do motions that are unnecessary. The reason you wipe and cleanse the utensils before you use them is because you want to show your guests that you are taking care of them. Even though they are not dirty, you are cleansing the utensils and wiping the tea scoop, for example, in order to show your guests that you are taking care of them through taking care of the utensils and making sure that they are in the best state uh, for use. And then you're also cleansing yourself 
because you are paying attention to the items that you are going to use to make a bowl of tea. So I can't speak for anyone else, but mainly the, the reason I think why anyone should practice tea ceremony, someone has to discover for themselves, what can they get out of this practice? I have several students that practice tea ceremony with me, and quite often we have this conversation. And I ask them, why do you practice tea ceremony? And a lot of times they don't know. They don't know, but it feels right inside. And then at a certain point, they say, I, I discovered um, this must be the reason why I'm learning tea ceremony. Um, I, I had this encounter with a person and I, I applied something that I learned in tea ceremony. So tea ceremony becomes part of what the, the things that they do in life, the, the way they view life. I failed to come up with a, a concrete example now, but I've had multiple um, occasions on which students say, this, this happened to me. And what we did the other day in tea ceremony made me realize that I could apply that to the situation and it made things so much better. So there's a lot to discover in tea ceremony. And I think for everyone, uh, that discovery is going to be different. And that is what the way of tea is really about I think it's it's a path that you apply to your life and everyone is different everyone's life is different and so also the tea ceremony is different for everyone else is there no problem having a tea ceremony like at your house in in not, in not the proper tea house you know and without the garden and, and all this would it still have the same meaning the meaning of tea ceremony is the meaning that you give to it if you are right about why you are doing something in your heart, then the message will be brought over to your guests. And that's, I think, an image that a lot of people have is if you don't have a proper tea chamber, if you don't have a garden, if you don't have uh, a very expensive tea bowl, if you don't have a tea scoop that has a calligraphic inscription on it, then you can't do tea ceremony. But I say, no, that's not right. If we look back in the past, Toyotomi Hideyoshi, I'm not sure if everyone is going to know him. He's um, the grand ruler of Japan throughout the um, late 16th century and then got defeated by the Tokugawa family in, and then the, the time of peace started. So Toyotomi Hideyoshi, he lived as one of the most powerful warlords at the end of the warring states period and he was the master of Sendikyu. Toyotomi Hideyoshi gave a grand tea gathering, the Kitano tea gathering, and called on everyone throughout the entire island of Japan, saying, if you want to continue practicing tea from now on, then you have to show up at my tea gathering. And he gathered thousands of people from all over Japan to Kyoto. And everyone was able to set up a tea enclosure. I'm going to call it an enclosure because not, it's not always a pavilion or a tea hut. Or Everyone was able to set up a tea enclosure and was able to demonstrate their way of tea. And there was there were a lot of participants that did not have the funds to, like Hideyoshi, build a golden pavilion, golden tea hut. Most of the people were just rolling out rags on the floor, on, on the dirt. Um, they might put up an enclosure with some bamboo poles and they would boil rice in an iron kettle and serve that as the concoction that they would present to their guests. Tea was very expensive at that time, and, not, and, and a lot of people couldn't afford tea. So they would boil a concoction from the, the rice that got burned and stuck to the bottom of uh, the kettle, and they would infuse that as tea. So 
we see tea ceremony can be just as simple as boiling the water, making the tea, serving and drinking it. And what makes tea ceremony is the intention that you put into it and not the materialistic aspect of it. Tea ceremony has become something that is very materialistic. But of course, what we are transitioning and what we are passing on into the next generation is the most traditional, the most, um, the grandest form of tea ceremony. But we mustn't forget that there is a more accessible style to it as well. And that is, that is why I think if you ask, is there a problem if you don't have the proper uh, setting? No, not at all. You create your own setting and you put your heart into your practice and you give it the intention that you want it to have. And that energy is what creates the tea ceremony. That energy is what creates the atmosphere. And as a host, always, that is what you practice. That's also what I've learned when I execute a service of tea for someone, for a guest. Um, and I've had many guests, international guests, people who have no uh, affiliation with or affinity with uh, the tea ceremony whatsoever. I just put my full being into making that one bowl of tea. And my intention is to make it enjoyable for them. And the, basically the energy that I emit through doing that, through putting my intention into it, it, it becomes almost tangible to those participants. And everyone always is, is, is extremely at ease, um, becomes very relaxed in that environment, and it creates a very intimate bond. So that is what the practice of tea is about. And I should also say, before you can get to the point where you say, I want a proper tea hut and all the proper utensils, you at least have to have a basic understanding of what tea ceremony is about and how it is executed. And there are quite a lot of um, essential details that you have to practice before you can actually execute a service of tea. So I've compiled all that together in just six weeks, which is very, very short, and it will demand a lot of practice from the, uh, the student as well. But all the information is there. And once you get an understanding of the things that you do and the meaning behind them, then you can start building on how you want to expand your practice. And I think that's what my course now is also for. And you can do that, of course, at your home, at your table, with just the basic necessary utensils. And it's, a, it's always a good way to start the practice. And when does the course start? So the course is scheduled to begin September 20th. And from there on, um, we'll be practicing something new every week for six weeks. And all the material that has been pre um, presented during the course will remain accessible uh, for, well, we should say lifetime. So whenever you want to practice something again, whenever you forgot how something was done, you can always go back. And so the material will be there forever for you to practice. Well, it's, it's very interesting. I wish we could have more time to talk about the tea ceremony, but the time is up. Um, I'm going well, to include a, a link to your page about the, the course in the post of, the, of this podcast. And I wish you the best with your course, with your online store and with your physical store. I appreciate it. Um, we can indeed continue on talking about tea ceremony for hours, but I guess that's what I'll be doing in the six-week course. <laughs> okay, so thank you for your time, and I hope thank to you, see, you, see you one day in person. Yes, that'd be great when, when you get a chance to come to Japan, and of course anyone, when we're allowed to travel again. Of course, the store will always be open, and I'd be happy to invite you to my, uh, my tea chamber to do a proper tea ceremony together. 
Okay, thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to my Japanese Green Tea Podcast. Join us again next time. 